0: Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast Dunphy's on the line Say hello
1: Oh (laughs) Hi Eamon Yes hello John I've been listening to the conversation and it's a wonderful conversation and John I just wanted to apologize (laughs) (laughs) I know baby you've had a grudge against me for I don't I don't 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 no, 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 No no John you've been on John you're on one of the biggest podcasts in Ireland the Mario Rosenstock podcast you haven't been on the stand but I do want you to understand John that I'm sorry so if you want to clear up with the people what I did to you
2: Amen I forgive you you.
0: (laughs) well I have no doubt that if you are a sports fan or indeed a fan of Today FM and News Talk Radio, you will instantly recognise the voice of my special guest this week, John Duggan. John and I have worked together for over 20 years now, and indeed it's safe to say um, we have been very, very good friends for most of that time as well. And in that time, uh, John has carved out a place for himself in Irish life as one of the most unique, consistent and recognisable sports broadcasters on the air, passionate to boot. And he's also been central to the evolution of Off The Ball from a news talk radio show into Ireland's leading multi-platform sports media brand. Now, whenever myself and John get together for a coffee or a pint, we generally start, you know, chatting about sport. But very quickly, it migrates into the the great issues of the day, politics, um, et cetera, sociology, philosophy, and Vim vendors movies. Um, and we, like a lot of friends do, try to solve the world together. The difference is that John... Um, is one of the most erudite uh, and interesting um, uh, friends I know to talk about things like politics, movies and indeed 80s music as well and so when you hear our conversation um, you'll hear it uh, uh, tangentially jump off uh, uh, and head in that direction Um, and he's he's really really great on uh, US politics, media uh, and all that sort of stuff and that's what I think you're going to hear in this episode. A great wide-ranging chat between two friends. One where I think you'll hear a totally different side to the person you hear on
2: national radio um, all the time. There's a lot to come in this one. And I remember the moment before they won, you hear this uh, euphony of sounds, this, this crackling noise. They're about to win and the people, the Galway people, know they're about to win the all ireland title and just to be you're getting a shiver down your spine being at that and that to me is what I'm going to sports events to chase to just to feel that ooh, to feel that electricity as I told two people I said Steve Flash going to win this week and at 500 quid on the nose at 50 to 1 you had sorry just
0: peel that back you were 24 years of age yeah you had 500 quid on the nose
2: on Steve Flesh at 50 to 1 yeah that's like just that's mad the moment he was starting to enjoy his life got sick died and for me that was a big thing in terms of just giving me this huge drive that i gotta chase what i want to do and i gotta chase experiences because it could be over pretty soon so we were singing at the red rose cafe and we were having fun in amsterdam got a bit tired and emotional and uh, got my train to amsterdam I should keep all I fell asleep and i woke up in Rotterdam.
1: <laughs>
2: my full chat with john duggan is coming up very shortly
0: so as you might know i'm still on tour It's been an amazing um, experience seeing all of you um, out on tour, the thousands and thousands of people who have come to the show, the very best of Gift Grub Live. Um, 16 counties over the last two months. I've spent most of the time in in kind of a combination between being wrecked and being exhilarated. It included five massive nights at the Olympia Theatre and four massive nights at the Cork Opera House. Um, And it's been a real joy to see you all out and about again laughing um, and your shoulders heaving, heaving. And the whites of your eyes and people also laughing at other people laughing, people engaging in that ritual where we go out for a night out, not just for ourselves, but to experience other people having a good time uh, on their night out. And I've been up and down the country um, for the last two months. And in the meantime, we've been playing you some of our favorite bits of comedy over the last few weeks on the podcast while I've been on tour. And this week we're digging out uh, more of the celebrity callers to the show because we think this is a real um, unique selling point of the show um, I don't think I've heard another podcast that does this if there is maybe you should tell me Mario Rosenstock at com. and if you've been tuning in regularly you will know that during almost every interview um, a few famous people nudge nudge wink wink phone in and put some questions to whatever special guest I might have on the show that week we've been having so much fun with this and there have been some you know classic moments here's just a few Miriam O'Callaghan is on the line Ah, Miriam how are you
1: Hi, Nevin. It's really enjoying the conversation between yourself and Mario. Um, Can I ask you, Nevin? I have eight kids. Eight? Eight? Wow. Can you give me the really bored of my cooking at the moment? What's something really easy to knock out for eight children?
3: What about the perfect curry? A very simple korma. Okay. So you get corma. some sweet potato. Yeah, write that corma, down, okay. Mir- Miriam. Yeah, well done. Uh, a couple of onions. Yeah. And then you cook that off with some curry powder, turmeric, mm-hmm. coconut milk, mango chutney. Okay. Uh, and then the key to this is to get a couple of chicken breasts and then you slice them and you actually poach them in this coconut korma. Uh, so it is, if you want it spicy, I'm sure you like it spicy, Miriam. Miriam. Yeah. And uh, you can put in some chilli into the korma. Slow Sorry. Down.
1: <laughs> Chili.
3: Chili, yeah. Chopped.
1: Korma.
3: Yeah. Chicken. Breast. (laughs)
1: Breast. (laughs) How many breasts? Uh,
3: It depends on the size of them.
1: (laughs) Probably uh, one. How do you like yours?
3: (laughs) Soft to the touch. (laughs) Um, One breast per person, or you can use some monkfish. Well, naturally. Absolutely.
1: Okay, and then you gently
3: poach them low and slow that's the only way to go isn't it Miriam
1: two breasts low and slow okay thanks Nevin can I just say one more thing yes go on absolutely filthy thanks Nevin
0: love you bye 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 that's brilliant that was disgusting to be honest with you Nevin I've never heard two people talk dirty over the phone like that over chicken breasts that's unreal well you made it sound really remotely filthy to be honest with you a few people have been listening To the podcast as well yeah. And uh, I think uh, So say hello to I think it's Davy Fitz is it? Davy Fitz is oh, on. Say hello to p- Davy
4: How are you Davy? How are you, you Maraid? Oh, it's, uh, it's Davy here Yeah I'm Just sitting in the car here I'm Doing a round trip From Clare Down to Cork
0: Oh that's great Back
4: yeah. up to Clare again And down to Cork again Oh, foggy, oh yeah. I think back up to Clare again okay. no. No. I know, well, that's Just cool. listening in On the podcast there Fair play to you You've done great, so you have. I'm a big admirer of yours, That's so I am. Lovely day, you big know fan, that, big fan of yours, David. you know that, you know that, Maraid. I do. You and me, Maraid. Yeah. I'm telling you, we've shared secrets. But we have. We actually. We one really of the have. things I wanted to ask you about was: oh. Do you not think Dervil and Dunica are cheating their horns off? <laughs> In that bit, his family. I know you're not, know Marad. I well, know you're not. Don't come know, clean of no, no. me, Marad. No, no, I'm going one, Marad. Oh, shut I, I, up, Mario. No. Sure, shut oh, up. I didn't say anything. Shut up, Marad. No, what what I did I say? Uh, I didn't do anything. No, no. Well, Davy, don't crash the car. Davy, take, take it easy. No, um, um, no, 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 no. In fact, most people would say, um, Mario and Davy that it's Anna and Davy who are always cooking up stuff, you know, because they have the GAA heading them, you know
0: fair enough I think yeah. he's driven over the Cliffs of War yeah. or something is he yeah um Roy Keane's on the line lads Oh right. the king of the north say hello All oh, right. Hey,
1: how's it going it's how the you fun. getting on how am I getting on yeah. how to get with us how we're trying getting, to get jammed
0: for a while
1: how oh, am I getting on. stop fucking ringing me and asking me to come on your podcast at the end of the day Leave <laughs> me alone I heard these lads earlier on talking about oh I, I find it hard to be on Instagram I find it hard yeah I find it easy to be on Instagram and I'm harder than you Yeah Yeah and I'd like to say Something else as well Go on. There's a fucking Myth going around That you're two narries yeah. At the end of the day Northsiders You are in your hole These two lads are sons Of judges and bankers From Montanati Putting on these voices For the last three years Oh, <laughs> <laughs> credit to imposters At the end of the day oh, Think you can pull the wool Over people outside Cork Everybody inside Fucking North Cork Knows who you are uh, You've never been there In your lives uh, Never been there <laughs> Montanati is where you hang out In uh, your fucking Skin tight And fucking trousers Huh? smoking your vapes, going to the movies, the kino. Everybody knows where you're from in Mayfield, there's the posh part of the North side and the real part is not, the... real is not going right Up,
0: Oh, Jesus, oh, Roy Keane there. He's, he's, uh, he's hung up now. Sorry. <laughs> and make sure you keep tuning into the Mario Rosenstock podcast for more of these moments every week. Plus, now that my tour is coming to an end, we'll have a brand new and exclusive comedy sketch for you on every episode too. Thanks as always to Currys for their ongoing support of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Thanks to you for subscribing, especially following, rating, previewing and telling your friends about the show. If you can do one good thing, just tell one friend about the show. Spread the good word. And thanks, of course, to John Duggan, who dragged himself away from the world of sport for an hour. A world he loves so much to come in and have a chat with me in the podcast studio. And I thought a good place to start was by asking John why he loves sport so much. I mean, is it just a, a fait accompli? Why it means so much to him? And since such a young age. So let's jump straight in there. <laughs> John, um, it's probably, you know, a truism to say that, like, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're a sports guy. So you love sport. But not all sports guys love sport. I won't name any off the top of my head, but, like, they just do it as a job. The broadcasters the journalists? Yes. Not everybody. Lo- Some of them like it. Some of them really like it. And some of them love it obviously. But not everybody loves it. Not in my view anyway. Um, but it, you do. It's vocational. It's in you, right? And but what when did that happen? So when when did you discover that you loved sports? Seven years of age. Yeah, and why? And what and what was your first sporting memory as well?
2: First sporting memory is actually before that it was Steve Davis, Jimmy White, nineteen eighty four World Snooker final. And whether you're following the winners or not, I just love Steve Davis. I love that he won all the time. Hmm. And then he started losing a bit and You're about seven at that time, right? Yeah. Uh, before that, I think it was about six when the Jimmy White final was on. And yeah, I, I, everything, it's it's funny, there was just a day or a year when everything just became became omnipresent or whatever. So I was watching every single thing. Whereas in 1986, I don't really remember much, but in 1987, everything. You'd watch Wimbledon, you'd watch the golf, you'd watch Gaelic games, hurling football, you, soccer. You'd watch every single thing. I collect little stickers uh, for Panini the Daily Mirror and that kind of thing. So um, the reason I, I just found it exciting at the time and I, I found the stories exciting I found the people exciting hmm. and it just went from there.
0: So you hear these stories for example like Boris uh,
2: Becker was a huge thing. I remember Boris Becker winning Wimbledon. He's only 17 years of age and I don't know a real concept of what a 17 year old was. Hmm. But then like 1987 I remember Gary Mackay scoring for Scotland against Bulgaria hmm. and that was just around the time I was starting to get into this. Yeah. And then Euro 88 happened and you're then watching where you're out and score and you're uh, with in your dad in the living room, and you were buying a T-shirt then of, of of Ray Houghton in black and white scoring the goal, and and at the time then it became really exciting to just watch this stuff.
0: So you're saying that as a in your very formative years, it coincided with a really exciting period of sport, particularly in Ireland as well.
2: Yeah, the Republic of Ireland team mm. qualifying for Euro '88 and then Italia '90. And Italia '90, has there been a bigger bigger thing in this country mm. in contemporary times to get the whole country just to a standstill. Mm. Um, and a lot of people don't remember it, but anybody who does remember it, it was Ireland on the world stage. And we'd never really been on the world stage before. We do too. And we'd like little moments like Stephen Roach, Raymond Coughlin and that. But Ireland had never really been on the world stage like we were brought to with Italian IT and finishing in the last stage in the world in mm-hmm. football, the global religion that it is. Yeah. But
0: when I hear other sports broadcasters or even commentators sometimes talk about sport and their their formative uh, learnings of it uh, and exposure to it you often hear like for example um, Omar Hertig or Jimmy McGee for example right and he was talking he, he would talk about how as a young man he would run around the garden and he'd be doing the commentary And and it interests me that he wasn't the player he wasn't the one scoring the goals. He was the one doing the commentary. So as a young man, he was he was already the commentator. Right. And so I, what what I'm asking is, who are you when you I'm were? I'm the younger? guy
2: in scoring the goals. Okay. In so the FA Cup final <laughs> and uh, going around the garden in my Spurs shirt with my arms aloft. That was my dream to be that person and I wasn't a very good footballer as a result but I was really into I like to shoot and match every week I was Mm. into the stats I was into the league tables I was into changing the league tables Mm. that kind of thing Mm. Uh, so I was into who won I was into all the memories and like I'd know everything in school I'd be a little bit of a know-all about well he won that last year and were you Stato yeah Stato a bit of a Stato and did was there a moment when you were you good at sport um I was a good I was a good lodger I was a good lodger, a lodger? Uh, in soccer, where you hang around the goal, goal hanger, goal hanger. I was a goal hanger and a good shot on me in the left foot. Yeah, um, but I didn't have the confidence, and it was the only sport I was quite good at was soccer, um, and it's always probably been my it was my first love as a as a formative person. Uh, then that kind of changed. Uh, then hurling became a big thing through yeah. relationship with my dad and stuff, and then yeah. horse racing became a big thing. Yeah, golf is, but, but soccer, I still think it's. It's the sport I most naturally identify with.
0: Yeah, is that that's 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 you then? Is it? Yeah,
2: like the rugby. I didn't come out of the womb with a rugby ball in my hand. Mm. Um, I, I don't some of rugby still goes over my head. I'll tell you how stuff I I'll tell you how the, I
0: know you didn't come out of the womb with the rugby right. bowling hand because John has actually deferred to me on rugby sometimes. Sometimes you've gone, hey, listen, what do you think about this in relation to the rugby? Yeah,
2: so okay. uh, it goes over my head sometimes, <laughs> the, the tight five and like stuff that goes on in the scrum yeah. and, and just the, the- The dark arts. The nuances of it. Sometimes I, I don't really get it. And I have a limited tolerance for it to a degree. I think that yeah. um, we've chronically underachieved as a rugby nation. Uh, comparative to the fact that how many teams to play at 10 to 12 mm. we've never reached a World Cup semi-final that's right yeah yeah. Uh, so I sometimes feel that rugby gets an easy ride
0: yeah now you mentioned your dad there yeah and, and that's something I wanted to jump into because I think he's kind of formative in your not only in your life but also in your experience and exposure to sport
2: yeah well we all have bonds with our parents and like my, my bond with my dad Um, I went to see Claire Hurley and he was from Clare um, playing the 1987 league final and you're interested in that and Uh, They drew against Tipperary that year. and I remember him throwing his hat in the air. We were down at a stable somewhere in Wicklow. And um, these were the things like then more in the 90s that we we really bonded over the Clare thing in that uh, in 1995, we went down to the Munster final. Clare hadn't won it since 1932, so it was 63 years. He was born in 1933. So we'd never been alive to see Claire win a Munster title. And it was the cliche. It was a hot day. It was the 9th of July. Uh, you know, with the, the, the tickets were 10 punts each, a flask of tea, ham sandwiches, and then Claire won. And it, then they went on to win the All-Ireland. And it was just magical. Mm. And you wouldn't, we didn't have, like, he was old school Catholic. He was 45 when I was born. And we, we didn't have a I love you kind of relationship with mm. an old school Irish Catholic thing. Uh, so the way we bonded was through, like, going to Claire Games or, or watching horse racing and a lot of unsaid love as yeah. opposed to said love. Um, and
0: almost where you could almost see him, his emotion.
2: Yeah, like Eamon Taft scored the goal in 95. Clare were losing to Offaly. Like they, Offaly were the better team that day. But uh, it was in the stars and the ball came off the post. Eamon Taft came off the bench whipped it into the net. Mm. And we just looked at each other. And there was just this, we're about to win the All-Ireland. Clare hadn't won the All-Ireland in 81 years. Mm. And then two years later, Clare were a better team and they beat Cork, they beat Kilkenny and they beat Tipperary twice. Mm. And Tipperary got two goals late in 97 it was nip and tuck and James e. O'Connor was right in front of us we were down lower Hogan and he put it over the bar and Lucknow is behind the goal and at the fist pump and Claire won by a point and the moment the final whistle went it was just myself and my dad in embrace with this guy this randomer the stranger right behind us in this massive embrace of just pure joy and it was one of the best days of my life because a year later my dad got sick um, he retired in 1998, a year later, and he got sick immediately the moment he retired and he died in 2002. What kind of sickness? He had a variant of modern neuron disease. He had a brotherhood motor neuron. He had a brotherhood Parkinson's and he had a variant of modern neuron disease. Actually, the same thing Dudley Moore had, Supernuclear palsy ah, was yes, called, right? Yes. So he ended up in a wheelchair and, you know, he ended up wasting away and dying of pneumonia. And it was a really formative thing because when you're uh, 18, 19 years of age, you're only just trying to become a person, really. You know, you're in college or whatever. And the moment he retired, he got sick. And that really was a real driver for me in terms of career and obsession about getting on and doing well, because I've, I felt that this man, the moment he was starting to enjoy his life, uh, he was driving Americans around Ireland. He wasn't a drinker. He was having fun driving tourists around Ireland, he got sick, died. And for me, that was a big thing in terms of just giving me this huge drive that i got to chase what I want to do and i got to chase experiences because it could be over pretty soon.
0: Mm. How long did his illness last?
2: About four years.
0: Four years. Yeah. And how did your relationship develop? Or
2: Well, you, you become a carer, you know, so he, he, he was a, he, like he was a non-drinker. He'd given up smoking like in his early forties. Mm. Uh, so he was quite a healthy man to a degree. Mm. and. Uh, you, you see him then having a walking stick, and then he ends up in a wheelchair, and then he ends up. Was he proud? Uh, he was a proud man, and he ends up in a hospice, and then he's he ends up hardly able to speak, and he's communicating through he's you know he's with a with a, a little alphabet, and he's mm. typing things out. Mm. It's funny. The day before he died, he told my mother and my sister come early. And another weird mm. thing was the Claire Champion was always sent every week by his sister, my aunt. It was sent that week and never arrived. Oh. <laughs> you know these kind of strange things that happen yeah. but uh, he died a very peaceful death but when you see a parent die at the age of 24 years of age it is a fundamental like difference if you've got a close relationship with him, with him which I did. What
0: are your last memories uh, mem- what is your last memory of him?
2: Um, well uh, we were speaking about Limestone Lad the source the day before he died and then he went into a coma and, you know, and then you see him die and you see uh, the way I would describe it is it's like a clock ticking and the clock just stops and then that's it. Uh, So uh, at the time it was, because death for so many people is a complete abstraction. We don't even think about it and death is Hawaii, whereas death for me was now brought into the living room as it were, you know, so um, didn't get to 70, got to 69.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And I guess, so what you're
0: saying is in a way that seeing him like this, that it's happening so soon after retirement, gave you a kind of a carpe diem thing, which is possibly, is still with you now. This this urge to seize life,
2: seize life, chase experiences. Mm. So by the age of forty, I'm so privileged in my job that I've and the people have given me opportunities, and they know who they are through today FM and news talking off the ball.
0: Uh, exactly, and all, all this,
2: these people who gave me opportunities, and they still give me opportunities. So by the age of forty, I got to an Olympic yeah, Games, an, an World Olympic Cup, Games and a, and in, in Brazil, yeah. and a World Cup in Russia so uh those were the things I sacrificed a lot of my life for um through you know working too hard and working too much um to get to these uh places mm. and 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 thankfully I've got a I'd like to think a bit of talent and to be able to tell the stories of these places to the listeners
0: yeah so so this would be some of your so in the last 20 years these would be some of the highlights
2: well yeah your... but yeah these are the biggest two events in the mm. world and this is not all wine and roses like in in you you see things like everything that could have happened in Rio did happen, from an Irish drug test to boxer fighting that in the first day, to uh, the stadiums not being full, to like this like the the disparity in wealth in Rio de Janeiro is just staggering. Like this, you go to a high class five star shopping center and then a few miles away is favela mm. to see Pat Hickey get arrested. Mm. Uh, and did you did you visit favelas or or uh, I didn't have the time Mm. because when you get into these events you're in a complete you're in a hamster wheel of Mm. where you okay where's Katie Taylor Mm. today who's in action tomorrow and you're just following people around but you're seeing then Katie Taylor lose a fight um and her mother's there, and it, like effectively, it's an industrial estate in the middle of Rio, and all the cameras are on everybody, and it it, it appears much bigger than it is, mm. whereas actually, uh, it's much smaller. Mm. Uh, Michael Conlon, then you see him like moments after he's been cheated, and you see he's got the Olympic rings tattooed on his on his chest, you mm. know, and how much it means to them. Yeah. And then on the other side, you see the Donovan brothers, who we wouldn't have known if they hadn't qualified, are the great characters, and then Annalise Murphy wins a silver, so. You don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's going to happen. I think one of the beauties of sport, I always find, is that the actors themselves don't know what's going to happen on the day. They're invested. you got the coaches, you got the players, you've got uh, the managers, and then you got the supporters. Yeah, And we're all invested in different ways. And sport for me is the unpredictability of it. I just I love that so much about it, that nobody knows the other day, Claire, uh, Cork played Limerick in the Hurling. Cork would have felt they had a chance they got to the league final they're playing at home and then Limerick do what they did and beat them quite easily Liverpool man United last night United Mm. might think okay we haven't been playing that well but we might have a chance in Liverpool to do what they did 4-0 so but on the day you just don't know nobody would have expected Mike Tyson to lose to Buster Douglas Mm. nobody would have expected so many times that the All Blacks would lose in World Cups that they they did Mm. and and or hundred to one winners of the Grand National, that mm. kind of thing. So um the beauty of it for me is the unpredictability of it. And also sport as well, it, like it like it, it's good for people's health. Um it, it it and but it's a huge thing for people's identity. The amount of cemeteries I've gone to and seen you'll ever walk alone inscribed on people's graves. That's how much it means. Even for you, you know, mm. going to Anfield with mm. me a few years ago. Which, you did. Yeah, and
0: you brought me. Yeah. Full disclosure here.
2: Yeah, but but to see, like, you here you'll never walk alone. Mm. To be in a cathedral, and you don't need to be a Liverpool fan to know that it's a cathedral. To feel the sense of history around in Liverpool. Correct. So you're, you're, oh, I
0: remember when I heard it that day, John. Sure, there was a tear in my eye, hair standing up you're, in my you're, arm.
2: You're thinking of Liverpool. You're thinking of Shankly, the, the Shankley guys. You're thinking of Kenny Dalgleish. You're thinking of Ian Rush. You're thinking of what this institution means for these people around this area.
0: And you're thinking of every moment you spent watching them and you're yeah, all through your, yeah. throughout your own life. Yeah. It's interesting you raise that point and I know you, you, you're you really keen to talk about it, the, the whole idea of why we love sport. Uh, and you've mentioned a few reasons there as well. I actually, I think you and I may have haven't had this discussion before, but I've written down um, uh, I'm, uh, a couple of notes myself as well. And that was, <clears throat> I wrote down two words, purity and answers. So Sport gives us answers that we don't get in normal life. So life is mucky. Life is uh, ugly, nuanced, gray, whereas sport often is black and white. You, you sit down to watch two competing philosophies, teams, people, and one of them comes out a winner. You're given an answer. And that answer is, let's say, a representation you know, in your own right, up there, their their moral superiority are are your moral bad luck, um, and the other one is is the purity. You know, you see what happens, and y- it's it's there in front of you in black and white what happens. Um, so that's it's, and and again, of course, the allegory for life that idea of the struggle and the the obvious you, allegory.
2: You've been a Hosper fan for thirty six years; it's a daily struggle. <laughs> um, uh, whereas I also, I have three teams, Clare Hurling, uh, luckily we won the All-Irelands and the Dublin Footballers, mm. uh, but Tottenham Hotspur has been an awful bloody struggle. Mm. Uh, and the only reason I got into it was my um, sister met an Englishman in New York in the eighties. She's much older than me. And they brought him to Ireland to meet the parents and a little snooker table. And uh, he goes, we'll play a game of snooker. You win, you get five punts, you lose your sports spurs. Yeah, and This was the ball on chain that was put on me then yeah. after that, but no, um, the struggle is a huge part of it. Uh, striving that Tottenham might do something and reaching the Champions League final was an incredible thing mm. uh, and uh, sport also and we can't ignore the political issues around sport or it be it doping or it be it uh, links for, for example that boxing has at the moment with the criminal underworld Yeah, you can't ignore these things uh, but for a lot of people as well it is escapism from the the, the 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 banal uh, nature of sometimes people's lives and the fact that this is on a weekend something I'm going to get excited about, Um, and I'm going to have my identity shaped to a degree by it, by by my fandom or by my just pure excitement of the artistry or the as you say the aesthetics or the tactics of sport, and to have that opinion and to have that social currency, then you can bring to have a cup of tea with somebody or have a phone conversation or go to the bar. The Uh, social value. The social value is a huge part of, and also
0: the you know, also the the acute memory that it emblazons. Oh, massively. On you. So you know that before you watch something, this may become one of my most important memories in the next two hours.
2: Well, Galway played Waterford in the 2017 early in final. I went as a neutral with a friend and I can just remember Galway hadn't won in 29 years. And I remember the moment before they won, you hear this uh, euphony of sound, this, whew, this crackling noise. They're about to win and the people, the Galway people, know they're about to win the All-Arden title. And just to be, you're getting a shiver down your spine being at that. And that to me is what I'm, you know, when I'm going to sports events, mm. to chase, to just to feel that, ooh, to feel that electricity. When Stephen Cluckson scored the point, I felt Croke Park moved. And um, I wouldn't have been the biggest fan of the Dubs before Jim Gavin. And it wasn't Jim Gavin yeah. at the time, it was Pat Gilroy, because uh, I felt Dublin were culturally wrong. Mm. But this team were a good team, Pat Gilroy's team. And it was 16 years, and actually people wanted Dublin to win. But it was like, it was the Shameless Derby moment for the contemporary age. And mm. when the ball went over the bar, the place erupted. And that for me is what I'm like, this to me is the essence of life and I want to grasp that. Yeah, well, And then you, I want to talk about it on a, on uh, a radio show. Exactly, yeah. But, um,
0: but what you're speaking about there though is, is something that's, that creeps into another area and that's almost otherworldly. So it creeps into the area of spiritual, spirituality. Arizona, Nessie. Yeah, ghosts. The yeah. world of ghosts, the world of, did you just see what happened? Did that happen? Could it have happened? You know, from the extraordinary feat that somebody might produce to the extraordinariness of the result that might happen to it, Tyson and Buster Douglas.
2: Did I witness that? Yes. Did it happen? Did I see Tiger Woods chip that ball in on 16 at Augusta?
0: Did Jesus turn water into
2: wine? Did Jack Nicholas come and win a major at 46? Yeah. Did Maradona just do that against England? That's right. And... Uh, we're striving to, to see these people again. Like, who's the next person going to be? And, yeah. uh, or Key and, Key and Lynch playing Hurling, you know, just watching it. Yeah. And sometimes I go to a game and I watch a player. Uh, just, I go on Key and Lynch cam. Or I watch Messi against Iceland in the World Cup the whole game. Yeah. The only thing I did was watch Messi just to see. And the whole the interesting part about that was because Messi was so frustrated because he had the whole team on his back and he missed a penalty in the game. And I could see the, how much it meant to him to be playing at a at a World Cup and even how much it means to Shane Larry playing at the Masters there a couple of weeks ago, how much it means to these people, and we have the ringside seat uh, on the TV, and yeah. that's why I love speaking about. It. That's why I love talking to people about it, and I love talking to the the great people that we've uh, produced in this country that are so good at it. Yeah, and we
0: we do tend to punch above our weight, massive uh, in sport yeah. in the country. There's,
2: there's an honesty through You've it. been doing this for yeah. twenty years, isn't yeah. that right? Yeah, nationally for twenty years through nationally today FM, years. through Today FM. Yeah. Whereas I was sports editor, and I was kind of behind the scenes, so I was I was writing with my right hand. So I produced like Premier League Live, which was this brilliant show. It was yeah it was Saturday afternoon. Mm. It was the soundtrack. To Saturday afternoon. Amazing commentators. Ron Jones and Brian Kerr, and uh, we had a brilliant show for, and the ratings for it were, were very, very good for so long. 138,000 average for 49 surveys.
0: And before social media and before Twitter, if you like, before those a fast update social medias. It was a chance for people to listen to it in their cars and on their radios. Yeah,
2: well a Saturday afternoon at the time and I still think it is because I present Saturdays news talk. It's a degree, it's, a, it's, a, it's an activity day for people. Mm. They're driving around, they're driving the kids to training, they're driving to the DIY store, they're going to the shops. You don't want to, you want something to be in the background with them that they can kind of dip their mind into and out of. Mm. So what we do, I think the world has changed. Sports coverage has changed. Whereas that on the radio 15 years ago was the right thing to do. Whereas now it's, it's like, everybody knows the score. Yeah. If you have got a smartphone or yeah. whatever, so yeah, how so has it changed? It, it, what is it? What is it now? It, well, now it's now it's discussion. Now mm. it's the pub in. Now it's the pub without the pints. Now it's the living room. Yeah. Now it's uh, the lads Dan and Johnny that I speak to on Saturday afternoon about football. We're just talking about stuff. We're talking about the talking points. We're talking about United. We're talking so about so it's city. opinion. It's opinion, mm. it, 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 but it's also then to go off in tangents about mm. like we can like we're doing here. You can talk, end up talking humorously about something. Yeah um so it's that's a, what i've noticed about your show yeah
0: that's what i've noticed about your show and especially a kind of during covid as well it it, it had to find a, s- a certain feat the show because there was there was nothing happening apart from bundesliga <laughs> apart from bundesliga which never stopped well apart from bundesliga and the 230 at the cura
2: yeah yeah so nothing what, stopped the
0: if, 230 super, at the
2: cura so we did we, we did this thing called the world cup revisited and we just talked We just picked a year every single week and did it for about fifteen weeks, and the reaction was was really good because people then interacted. And I think the huge part is you get inter- you get texts from people. While I was in the walk stand roundabout, and I fell off the car and met my wife, my future wife. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and
2: and and then we like I love the organic way that we might be talking on a news round about autographs and like oh, you got you're a sporting autographs nerd, and then get the listeners involved and those tangents where we don't know like if you're talking about like my first ever match I went to or sporting jerseys or tickets you know and that that you, you don't decide we're going to do that today you don't contrive it but you you, you bring it in around the conversation the conversation lends itself in that regard
0: yeah um you mentioned Russia there as well because yeah. you, you were at Russia so just bearing in mind of what's happening now yes it'd be interesting just to get your thoughts on what you saw or
2: because you were there for a good, seven weeks seven weeks on my own and I went around the whole country the so whole country so from pretty much from east to west are- yeah, no, no, not not, not too not too far east. Uh, yeah. But I was in Kazan, which is, and I was in Nizhny Novgorod, Gorky, which are hundreds of miles east of Moscow. I was in St. Petersburg, um, I was in Samara, where the Yuri Gagarin rocket was built. And uh, I feel very sad, first of all, for the U- people of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the casual slaughter, uh, I think, is the worst thing I've seen since, uh, in, in terms of reading about or seeing war, the worst thing I probably would have identified with since Nazi Germany, and. Just the casual slaughter of people for no reason at all. Really, uh, the only reason is uh, insecurity and paranoia within Putin. Uh, but Russia has always been a prison. Like it doesn't matter whether you're calling yourself a Tsar or a communist or, or a dictator. It's always been a prison for its people. And I feel that uh, my experience of being there was: it's a police state. Uh, you go into a lobby. Of a did hook. you get that? You, did you? Did you? Did you know that? Yeah, I, hmm. I, I, it was a police state which was extremely welcoming and hospitable and friendly.
0: Doing a PR job on itself.
2: Yeah, but I, I, people are always just a sports washing. I think Russia at the World Cup reached a fork in the road and the it, it chose a horrendous path through its through its leaders. Um, you know, you go into the a, a, lobby or hotel every night, there'd be seven police in there. i will be on a train from Moscow to Kazan and a police would knock on the door and go, where are you from? I would walk down the street. i will be looking up at Google Maps and they'd go, come over here. And I'd be a bit nervous and they go, do you need any help? Okay. So they were all on message. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody was beautifully behaved. But I suppose to strip beyond that, like Sting said about, we, the share, we share the same biology regardless of ideology. You yeah. need the song Russians yeah. about uh, in the 1980s and the Cold War. And I do subscribe to that point of view. The ordinary people, I don't believe they want this. They're all scared. And, uh, and they, they live in a, an oppressive totalitarian regime. Um, but at the time, in 2018, Russia was quite technologically advanced. It was more so than Brazil. There's free Wi-Fi and all the trains. Obviously, they can monitor it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, good. And, um, you know, it was much more, it was quite Western to a degree. You know, you get McDonald's, you know, you've got your, all your, you know, Apple and all that kind of stuff. Um, and people were very friendly because they, want, they wanted to show a good side mm. to the world. and. What their leader has done is, I think, against everything they they believe, but they can't say anything. But I think the the example of Russia I find, propaganda is so dangerous and the misinformation that Russians have been fed every single day about Ukraine for, you know, years. And we saw it with Goebbels and we see it in America with Fox News. uh, And social media has not helped whether it's around the U.S. election 2016 or Brexit or these kind of things, and I'm just speaking now as a lay person here, mm. uh, just somebody with an opinion, um, I, 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 that is the problem Russia had. It was it, when I when I was walking around Russia, it was very very hospitable and friendly, but it was all it was still, you could really feel a sense of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they can't loosen themselves from control. And Putin, have all the readings I would know about Putin is, Putin's whole life has been defined by one thing. When he was in Dresden in 1989, when the wall collapsed and it was, you're now on your own. Moscow he, They rang Moscow and said, no, Moscow silent. You're now on your own. So the whole issue with Russia is the insecurity about democracy being on their doorstep and the lack of control. Mm. They've had to have control. And now it's gone to the stage where um, the, the insecurity and the paranoia, and even Obama said that Putin in the last few years is a is, is different to, to, to what he was. Um, like, it's not that he didn't commit atrocities before, but I suppose it's now uh, in, in people's minds in Europe more than it would have been because it's, it's now, it's moving more, more and more west. So, um, the reaction from the world has been quite uh, strong, I find. But we live in precarious times uh, when you got, you've got, you had Trump, you have Boris Johnson, and you could have Le Pen. Exactly. Now this is where I wanted the conversation to go. So this is where our
0: conversations always go, John. Right. Our conversations often start with, so did you see the game last night? And then five minutes later, we're gone, Mario, the problem with Fox News is this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this is where I wanted to go because yeah. you love your politics. And you know, obviously I do as well, and I'm coming at it from a, I often come from the politics from a slightly different point of view because I'm thinking of sketches all the time as well so my brain is slightly differently slant and you're your you come from politics from what I would regard it as an extremely well-read and thoughtful point of view and you know global politics is interesting to you but as long as I've known you you just verged on it there it's 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 american politics is fascinating for you as well and you and I have talked endlessly about what's happening um what was what was happening in america for the last 7 or 8 years and Even now, it's so interesting, for example, when you see the um, Supreme Court Justice Catania Jackson um, being, you know, uh, quizzed, uh, racially uh, vetted, if you like, um, by Ted Cruz and all these Muppets. Um, It it seems to be going deeper and deeper into the into shithousery, really. Um, I mean, if you look at the Congress elections that are coming up. or the midterm elections that are coming up. It, Trump has gone nowhere. He, he, he's still there. He is
2: still there. Trumpism off. is still there. Trumpism is still there. And they are still playing into his hands. You have a 246 year experiment with democracy in America and it's an imperfect um, beast completely. And America has committed. And we all talk about Ukraine. America has committed you know, horrific atrocities in Vietnam and Iraq. Um, but I, I do think, I think Bono said it once America is an idea. Mm. There is an idea, there is an aspirational mm. element to America where someone like Obama can get elected with the same, uh, nearly the same name as a terrorist uh, and, uh, you know, half black, half white. Um, that there is a degree of aspiration uh, that we can put a man on the moon, we can fight Hitler, uh, we can. There, there is a positivity to America, which I've always been fascinated by. When you even go into New York, first time I was there, the size of the buildings. That, that to me is a statement of we, Ambition. Can, we can do things yeah. here. We, we, we can do stuff. And America stopped doing stuff. To me, it's the 20th century country. Mm. Now, unfortunately, that probably the 21st century country might be China, mm. which is not good because it's, mm. there's an authoritarianism to yeah. China. And the world, uh, unfortunately, and, and that's where, you know, the, I think social media has played a negative role, is that actually elites can sometimes be good in that, you um, we're now faced with... Uh, everything is 24-7. And you're now faced with a choice between democracy and autocracy. And one party in America, I would, would describe as quite democratic, and one party is con- more and more autocratic, which is the Republican Party. And it got its leverage and it got its um, juice, as it were, through like neoliberalism, through like Wall Street and the inequalities that people are seeing. Mm. And... Um, you know Hillary Clinton getting hundreds of thousands of dollars for speeches, this kind of thing, uh, and and the, the sense that uh, wokeism. Uh, so you're then creating an opportunity for um, strongmen, and and to me, but it's against everything that America is is, is meant to represent. Whereas sure, I think Joe Biden does represent. Of course. Whereas p- policy-wise, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, I think like he's a decent man. I think Mia Martin, uh, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, as policies is a decent man. Yes. I think Claire Starmer is a decent man. Yes, we need or, or a decent. But, w- you need these people. Like Merkel is a decent. But what's person.
0: happening more and more now? Just if you just look at a couple of things, there's the Democrats, for example, in America, like them or not like them. They are the only side that seems to have policies. The other side has given up having policies. So, for example, they've just laid down and subsumed themselves to um, QAnon and conspiracy theory. And that's really, you know, you see Marjorie Taylor Greene. Their uh,
2: policy is authority. That's their policy. Yeah. And it's, it, it's where... You but know, also,
0: with, with, with it's, it's the same in, in Britain. That policy doesn't matter anymore to the Conservatives. It's laying yourself down in front of the leader. It's holding on to power.
2: It, 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 it's appealing to emotion. So yeah. in the UK, what does Boris Johnson, what do the Tories, they appeal to people's emotion by creating straw men and dividing and conquering. Mm. That's the way, and that's, what, that's the Republican playbook as well. And uh, That's what whole, the whole uh, and d'etre for Fox News Murdoch is being creating these bogeymen that don't really exist. Mm. And, and it's so hyper-partisan now. Like effectively, you've got a civil war without arms in mm. America. And unfortunately, those culture wars have infected the UK now through Brexit and through the sense of English nationalism. It's an English nationalism yeah. project, which I would see. And devolution did not help that. Mm. Blair and devolution did not help. Mm. Um, you now effectively have Labour are going to find it very hard to win a British election because the SNP runs Scotland now. Yeah. So um, you've got a fracturing there of that. And unfortunately, people have been sucked into, because of the fact that, you know, maybe economies haven't been completely straight over the last since the end of the Cold War, uh, and there has been a lot of wealth inequality. People are looking for uh, answers, but I don't think the people that, um, in the Republicans or the Tories, they're brilliant at the slogans. They're brilliant at the messaging, but they're not very good at the governing. Yeah. And there's a plutocracy to element to it. And um, I don't see why people why people end up voting for these people again and again. But but that's the power of motion. That's the power of creating us versus them.
0: Yeah. What do you think of the idea of of um of an actual quasi or actual civil war taking place in America
2: again? Uh... No, but uh, because I still think the states are quite powerful in America, and like for example in Florida and Texas, they've gone very, very right wing. So they're trying to even gerrymander some of the congressional seats at the moment in, in Florida, and mm-hmm. that's a huge still problem. Like in America, like the, the worry for America, it's on a really slippery slope towards it not being a democracy anymore. And uh, that that's not 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 well, what, what
0: happens. What happens in the event that it's not a democracy? So, in other words, you say, for example, uh, 2024 elections, Trump wins and changes, just tries to change the Constitution in some way?
2: Well, a lot of, well, I know they've got a lot of right wingers in the court. um, But I I do think America, to be fair, has still a huge amount of checks and balances. And that's why they were able to withstand Trump. Yeah, just about, yeah. It was like a plane with a lot of turbulence. Or Mike Pence was. Yeah. uh, They were (laughs) playing with a lot of turbulence. They ended up landing the plane. Um, Now, they might try to make it harder for people to vote in the likes of Georgia and that kind of thing. But you've got the courts, you have the media, you have the Senate, you have the House. Whereas in Britain, they don't have those really checks and balances. They've got the House of Commons debate every week. Mm. But um, it's, uh, look, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that, once again, I'm not saying that America is a perfect nation, but for the biggest, world's biggest superpower, it needs a degree of stability for the rest of the world. Imagine if Trump was there now and what was going on in Ukraine. Yeah. And like, you know, what do you pulled out of NATO already? Uh, I don't know. I mean, would I, that get, I, would that have I sort of think he would have just
0: given Ukraine to would, Russia. Would that have
2: emboldened Putin to go further? So these, these, these this is serious stuff. But what it would have, t- put a, put a, would have possibly
0: turned into is the old post-World War II sphere of influence situation where Trump goes, yeah, you just take Lithuania, Estonia, get yeah. that stuff that you had back, go to Moldova as well, Romania while you're at it, and
2: I'll operate over here. But this is what happens every, say, 50, 100 years. You get these... Uh, yeah. Seismic. These, the, the plates move, as well. Yeah, tectonic plates, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and on uh, that's why history is so important in schools, because, yeah. like, it's not 800,000 years ago that the Holocaust happened. It's 80 years ago. Lifetime. It, it should be in every... Like, uh, history should be mandatory for everybody up yeah. to your 18 years of age. Yeah. And, and, like, this is the biggest problem in this whole Ukraine thing, is that the Russian people don't know uh, they would know more than they would have done forty years ago because of social media and that, but they've been fed lies by their own government.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I love talking to you about this stuff, John, and you know we always do when we go out for a pint. Um just gonna totally change subject and just tell me the story of Steve Flesh. Steve Flesh, yeah. <laughs> so you have to tell our listeners. Well I I do what uh, age were you for example? I was twenty four. Who's Steve Flesh?
2: He was a journeyman American golfer that was 37 <laughs> times in the top 10. Yeah. Uh, but he had a really good record of the New Orleans Classic. And he was second there twice. And I felt Steve Flesh, he got a bit of a chance. And I backed the Scottish Grand National winner in 2003. And then Steve Flesh, um, I, I told two people, I said, Steve Flesh is going to win this week. And a 500 quid on the nose at 50 to 1. You had, sorry, just
0: peel that back. You were 24 years of age. Yeah. You had 500 quid on the nose on Steve Flesh at 50 to 1.
2: Yeah. That's like, just that's mad it is mad and also I just want to say that it's it was stupid to a degree at the time because always gamble sensibly because <laughs> people go oh John is getting his politics there. in there well you know I, I do think it's important that you know you people gotta be
0: John you're on a safe podcast here in relation gotta, to that
2: people gotta bet within their means
0: um, the Mario Rosenstock podcast does not um, does not enjoy gambling ads on the telly or on the radio or on digital but I'm not going to poison your brain with all that but uh, yes always gamble sensibly and I would say don't gamble at all but anyway,
2: yeah look so I, I was in the mood to do that I do I think yeah I'll you were young you were 24 You, but the, that, I'm not interested
0: in the moral side of it I'm interested in the, just the, the chutzpah oh,
2: No, no the, the, well the, the the whole attraction for me is, is is being God predicting the future and there is something very very powerful in that and uh, I love the puzzle, and I do a bit of it still now of trying to predict who's going to win the U.S. Open or the PGA or whatever, and then seeing it actually happen um, responsibly. So, so Steve Flash, I, I had such a feeling, um, and I just went for it. Went on the nose, five hundred and fifty to one. He was seven shots behind going into the final day. Okay. He shot a sixty-five. Actually, came home from work, and he was um, going down the eighteenth in a tie yeah. for the lead. I needed a, a clutch putt for par. You made it, and then I had to wait for about a, a half an hour. As the other players and, came in, the other players came in, and one of them started messing up, started making bogey, double bogey, and then Flesh ends up with a. So you're
0: in your own house now, walking around.
2: Walking, not walking around yet. I was completely silent in the bed, and uh, <laughs> it's just complete silence. I, I there was my mother was downstairs. Uh, I didn't say a word to myself. Didn't you know? It was before smartphones, all that kind of thing. So Steve Flash and Bob Estes, sudden death playoff, English Turn Course in New Orleans, uh, May 2003. They both hit the fairway. They both hit the green flashes further away, 30 feet. Uh, had never won before on the tour. And the moment he hit the ball, I knew it was in. And you could just see it going towards the cup and uh, it disappeared into the cup. And I just went crazy. And I what was- What do you
0: mean you went crazy?
2: I was just- um, Did you sc- Get in the hole, uh, yeah. th- that kind of thing. And uh, just, just screaming and shouting and-
0: Did your mother wake up? And
2: My mother was downstairs and I just screamed, get in the hole at her. John hole He didn't, didn't sleep a wink Didn't sleep a wink You didn't it, sleep a wink Next day I collected 25,500 from Paddy Power it, If he'd lost the playoff I would've got nothing By the way did you, did you get that in cash? No check Check And that's a lot of money It is a lot of money yeah For 24 year old It is a lot of money yeah, yeah. So What did you do? Bought a laptop Bought a few suits um, Probably gave a bit back to them Yeah uh,
0: How long did you have the money for? Oh
2: not as long as I would have hoped. Yeah,
0: um,
2: it's just a great story.
0: It, it, it's very unusual to hear somebody. It, it, it's it's funny. putting five hundred on the nose. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and winning and you winning. Know,
2: yeah, And it is. Like, it hasn't happened since. That probably says a lot, doesn't it? Um, but it's interesting because I've gone to them and I would do. I've done tips for twenty years to them twenty one years actually, because I didn't go in the pandemic here. and I've made a profit for charity fifteen years out of twenty one. But I've gone to Cheltenham. and haven't had a cent on, and I've. Uh, Seen my horse win the Gold Cup twice. Uh, album photo and sizing John and I've been screaming and shouting and hooping and hollering in the press room and walked out the press room just through the. I uh, didn't have any money on, but through through the high of predicting something that actually occurred.
0: Yeah, I love the Steve Flesh story. Um, listen, in the last in the last um, three months, you've lost two stone. Yeah. So, why did you do that? Health. What what aspect? Was it a sudden dawning, or was it just gradual realization?
2: No, I think I'm into my forties now. I'm forty three, and I think that uh, you have to uh, a lot of back to what I said at the start of the conversation. Um, yeah. Chasing experiences, consuming work, consuming pleasure, has been a big part of my life because I've seen my dad die, mm. my best friend die. Uh, my uncle died last year uh, and that has been a huge thing so a layer of comfort was around me you know to a degree but I think you, get to, you gotta get to the stage where mm, you can't be um, it can't be all that all the time and you know indulging so what did you do? Uh, I stopped eating everything and drinking everything that was what did you stop eating? I stopped eating chocolate cake crisps ice cream burgers chips pizza sausage rasher um um, butter, full fat milk, cut everything out. Went cold turkey, no drink as well. And um, did you get any withdrawal symptoms? Not being funny. First two weeks were painful. I had a headache. I would mm-hmm. have felt weak. But then I, once I kind of got over the barrier of that, like I eat a lot of chicken and fish. Yeah. Um, so about know,
0: two weeks before you got yeah, into a, yeah. a rhythm. You
2: rhythm a wholemeal bread. Um, walked every day. Did a hundred days of walking for Newstalk. How stop. far? Um, at least half an hour a day. Yeah. Sometimes an hour. Yeah. Um, slept better. Um, now I've given up booze before at, at certain times, yeah. but like, it's funny cause I was doing you more- You gave up booze as well? Yeah, I, I was doing more training last year. I was doing high intensity interval training, mm-hmm. but I hadn't lost the weight because the diet was, it's, this is 80% diet folks. And yeah. I'm not trying to be a moralist here no. about this. Uh, what I'm just saying, the only, the, the thing that really helped me was, well, first of all, the doctor said you need to do it. Secondly, when I went back to the doctor, the doctor was now happy with me. Mm. Um, I might drop dead tomorrow, right? Mm. Um, I hope I don't get an illness, but I could. But you're, it's all about risk. Mm. and bringing back the risk and I don't want to be boring guy for the rest of my life And and but it's a case of I had a steak today for the first time since Christmas <laughs> and it was very pleasurable I'm not going to eat anything else today but what, the best thing I did was I wrote down on the Google Doc every single day what I ate and what, I, what how far I walked and even in the last week when I've had a few pleasurable treats I've written it down and put it in a different font. Diary Diary it yeah. So I'm diarying this every day yeah. and I said okay you know what I need to sort my health out a bit more uh, you know it doesn't harm the image yeah And like also if you're on camera and we're now on camera these days, you want to look, you want to feel, look and feel good.
0: It was amazing when I came into the room today, your face had all narrowed.
2: But you see, when when you're living in your own head, you don't, you don't, you don't notice it. You Mm. don't, you you don't, you don't believe that you're a certain way. Mm. So Mm. sometimes you just need an awakening. And I didn't have that awakening for a long time. What was the
0: hardest thing that you found to give up? Just the hardest pleasure? Like it Was it a simple pleasure Like butter Or was it just Or or was it biscuits Do you know that kind of thing Was it one thing Or was it just something Continuous every day Like bread even
2: Um I think it was uh, It wasn't the food It was the Feeling Feeling Mm. <laughs> that I missed yeah so I would look at menus of say an American restaurant or whatever or because I'm going to go to America later in the year mm. and I'd look at you know menus and diners and that kind of thing or I'd you know look at pictures of ice cream or whatever like it's the feeling that it gives you <laughs> it's not the actual food and this is the sugar industry has everybody by the neck yes uh, and, and,
0: porn Pornhub ice cream
2: you know it has everybody mm. by the neck because um, it, there, obviously the stuff in these foods that, that makes us um, want more of them yes uh, and it's like booze, you know. When you when sometimes we relationship with booze, that can be a little bit.
0: Mm. Well, sugar is a racket, John.
2: And I feel like I had chocolate this week, and I kind of I was whatever. And I feel now after that, that's a real. That's the achievement. And I want to, you know, I, I I won't be putting the weight back on. I know what I know what I need to mm. do because the doctor said it. The doctor said, yeah, this is the right thing to yeah. do. And I now know what the formula is. Yeah. And well
0: it's a really tremendous achievement um actually for listeners who doesn't who don't know john i mean um it's a great achievement because i'm always going on about it actually that you know there there are people in life who are grossly obese and yes they can lose seven stone you know and because they were 25 stone so they can get down to 18 stone but then there are people who are like 15 stone and 16 stone and they're overweight but it's like ugh, it's 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 almost like they can live with it right? I mean, and most of us, like I'm a stone overweight and you were probably two and a half stone overweight or something, right? Um, I still have
2: a stone to go, but once I get there then I'll know. But I, I, I see, I wasn't sure. Yeah, what, but that's, what I'm just saying to you, it. that's
0: a brilliant um, achievement yeah. because yeah. it's a brilliant, because they're really hard stones to lose. Yeah. They're hard stones. But I think
2: willpower can make you do anything. Yeah. I really do believe that.
0: And, yeah. and how do you feel now? Good. Yeah. Do you feel, like, is it is it a cliche to say that you feel as good as you felt in a long, long time? Or? I
2: feel, I feel... How do I say this I come across as an asshole? I feel powerful.
0: Yeah, for many reasons.
2: I feel power. I feel I can wear a suit today. I oh, feel,
0: John, it's self-empowerment.
2: I, I feel I feel like how do I? The most important relationship in your life is with yourself.
0: It is, and you've personal autonomy with yourself and, and personal you know, and, autonomy around,
2: like you know, control
0: uh, over yourself.
2: For a long period of time, my relationship with myself wasn't where I would wanted to be.
0: Yeah, so uh, because it's a symbol of a sense of well, there's a bit of low, self-loathing going on.
2: Uh, but I don't think weight. I don't only weight. Like you know, eating too much is even was even the reason for that. Uh, but 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 eating too much i mean it's it's
0: 90 you 90% same reason everybody's filling a hole
2: yeah but but
0: it's filling an emotional hole
2: yeah but to me more eating was more convenience i'm just going to do this conveniently and i want to have pleasure you know Whereas I wouldn't have felt yeah. that, you know, if I had issues with yeah. my relationship myself, that eating was the biggest one. But you're
0: in relation to eating badly, right? Because now we, I just wanted to just spend a couple of seconds on this briefly, because some people are boring when it comes to eating badly. They go, what did you eat? Chips, sausages, uh, takeaways and everything. But you, you're much more decadent than that. You love really, re- you loved really or love really, really bitchingly
2: good things. Like like extravagantly. Well, for my 14th birthday, I went to Alan Ducasse in London at the Dorchester. And I had um, lobster starter and then I had a steak for dessert. And then they had rum baba because I wanted the bullshit of the rum baba, that they bring out six rums from one from the Dominican Republic, one from Venezuela. I wanted the nonsense for, of it more so than the rum baba. Uh, so it's like, once again, back to I've got to have this experience. Yeah. So, so um, there is a selfishness to that, that I just needed to rein in.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, so, no, I do. I, like, but even in the last week when I've been eating the kind of a few kind of treats, I've gone, I had a pizza yesterday. I'm going to mm-hmm. go, eh, I want something a bit better than that. Like if I'm going to have a treat, I want something that actually, I want a good steak or I want whatever. And then I want to have a steak for a few months. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 but it's back to the relationship with yourself. And, you know, there's times when, you know, you've had to, you, you would have gone through phases of, of, you know, having too many beers, whatever. Um, because it's pleasurable and because it, <sighs> It loosens you up and it, you know, has a, mm. has a good effect. I on know. It. Listen,
0: I think it's a bloody brilliant achievement and well done. I have um, some quick fire questions for you. Sure. Because Patrick actually put these together for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, the sportsman you admire the most and why? In history. Actually, the sports person. Patrick
2: Carrington. <laughs> brilliant. Why? Uh, got the most out of his talent. Yeah. Did you?
0: Yeah. Um, who will be the next US president?
2: That's a good question. It could be somebody from completely from left field. Um, I think Pete Buttigieg could be the US president, but I don't know if it'll be the next time.
0: The transport secretary. Yeah. Mm. Um, wow. First gay look American president.
2: I just uh, Who are the vibrant people in the Democratic Party? I can't see any of them. And I don't think Kamala Harris is the person at the moment.
0: Probably, yeah. No, that's not going to happen. That's a so Steve you- Flesh price.
2: Yeah, uh, so in other words, it could be Trump. Uh, DeSantis, I think it would be interesting to see Mm. if Trump runs. Um, Yeah, do you think he'll run? I think a lot depends on investigations. Mm. And it seems that there's a degree of um, softness and supine um, elements to the DOG in America where they're not going after Trump as much as they could.
0: You might, you'd know more about this than me, but actually, because I'm just, does he have to run? So what I mean by this is, is it safer for him to run than not run
2: possibly well but again if they go after him he can protect himself by running if they go after him he's a martyr as well so um but he also wants to be the king does he want to go go into this again look um he'll either run or he'll decide who's running Mm. so he'll be the king
0: for somebody who wants to lose two stone who was 15 stone or 16 stone and they wanted to lose one thing that you would ask them to keep the diary keep a diary so write it down write
2: it down write mm. it down and, and and also if you you know if you if you lapse don't worry about it just get on the horse the next day um, it's like you know and and because I suppose it, it is something that I'm known for the chat and all that kind of thing remember when I wrote my book a few years ago there's one thing I've never put in my book which was it's okay to be a failure at things mm. I've been a failure at many things in my life including in the last year I won't go into it but um, it's okay to be a failure. Mm, I agree. And, and, and accept that you're a failure and accept that you can be a success in other areas of your life. Failure gets a bad rattle. I mean, fail, I think failure is a bad word for failing. Except, So, okay, I'm not a good punter or I'm not a good eater or whatever. Accept that, okay, you know, for like engaging that kind of thing or drinking too much or whatever, or doing, you know, narcotics, uh, some things you just need to sort for your health or being a better person. Um, you can always change and that's back to the relationship with yourself and, and, and being the best person you can be but um, accept that failure is, is part of life and uh, embrace it
0: yeah absolutely there's a few people on the line John that would love to talk to you <laughs> if you wouldn't mind right so uh, Robbie Keane is there say hello to Robbie
1: hey Robbie how are you how are you John have you ever thought that maybe the problem with spores is that we have the whole wrong level of supporters or that if you stop supporting us John Maybe we get somewhere. Did you ever think of that? Just maybe take a year off. Hardy let will score 40. Song. I mean, John.
2: Yeah, it's there. Yeah, I'm here. It's it's funny because uh, every time Spurs mess up, I put the TV out through the window on that, that gif on uh, Twitter. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard about that, yeah. Uh, the the be- gif. Yeah, the, uh, the best Spurs. I, I saw Robbie Keane on my birthday score for Spurs in 2003, and I think Robbie Keane is one of the most... Underappreciated sports stars we've ever had, and uh, I, I wish he'd get more love. Uh, also on Spurs, it's funny because uh, the best you're talking about Steve Flesh and talk about these moments. Um, I went to Spurs Ajax in 2019 for the Champions League semi final second leg, we were what one nil down from the first leg, and uh, then Ajax scored twice at half time, it was three nil on aggregate, but away goals still applied. Lucas Morris. I went actually went out for a beer and a sausage roll back in the day. Uh, Lucas Moura scores for one goal. Then I go to, and then I am kind of saunter back to my seat, and then he scores again. And Spurs, if they score again, are going to be into the Champions League final. And then it's not going our way, and and it literally is the last play of the game where Lucas Moura puts at the back of the net, and it's a bit like Michael Lina in nineteen ninety one Ireland and Gordon Hamilton and all that. Um, the whole atmosphere in in Amsterdam was just sucked out of the arena a bit like 2000, 2013 we were that game the All Blacks game uh, against Ireland when we lost narrowly and the absolute ec- ecstasy of being a Tottenham fan for just for that moment uh, and I met Ozzy Ardiles <laughs> and Ricky V outside the ground and got a well, photo with them and everything like that yeah. you know so it was great but there was just a corner of the of, I was in the west stand like among on the main stands there was a corner of like about 2000 people going absolutely crazy and uh, I was with a few people from the Dublin Spurs supporters club and we just went crazy. So much to, to such an extent that the next day uh, I started, uh, I didn't even drink that night. Next day I said, okay, my flight's from Amsterdam at seven o'clock. I'm gonna go a bit mad today and have fun with my nephews. So we were singing at the Red Rose Cafe and we were having fun in Amsterdam. Got a bit tired and emotional and uh, got my train to Amsterdam keep Schiphol and fell asleep it. woke up in Rotterdam. <laughs> <laughs> Had absolute fear and panic. Got back on the next train to Amsterdam. My flight was delayed. Yeah. So I got
0: home. Oh, great. Just about. Great, great, great. Yeah, great story. Uh, Poor Carrington's on the line.
1: Hey, Park. Uh Hi, John. Really delighted you picked me as the greatest sports person uh, of all time.
2: Thanks very much. I love the look, Podrick. I love the look. The stare.
1: Yeah, the black eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up the eighteenth, yeah, especially in the PGA, two thousand and eight, got yeah. the black eyes. Yeah, thanks, John. Have you ever heard? You, brilliant, by the way, about Steve Flash, five hundred on the nose. Yeah. Uh, what is the worst uh, punt you've ever had?
2: Would you say? Ah, oh, um, uh, the worst punt I ever had is 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 tipping Aurora's encore to win the Grand National in twenty thirteen on the In Breakfast Show at eighty to one, and not backing it. And did it win? Yeah.
1: Oh Jesus.
2: That's terrible. That is terrible. Yeah. And he was actually 100 to 1 in the morning. Yeah, that was stupidity. No.
0: And we even helped launch your book, didn't we? Beat yeah, we did.
2: Yeah, yourself and Tony Fenton. Tony Fenton,
0: God love him. Um, Dunphy's on the line. Say hello.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> Hi, Eamon. Yes, hello, John. I've been listening to the conversation, and it's a wonderful conversation. And, John, I just wanted to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> i know baby <laughs> you've had a grudge against me for I, long don't, long I don't know no hold, no, 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 john, no john you've been on john grudges. you're on one of the biggest podcasts in ireland <laughs> the mario rosenstock podcast you haven't been on the stand but i do want you to understand john that i'm sorry so if you want to clear up with the people what i did to you
2: amen i forgive you i forgive you,
1: you see you're a bigger man john you're now down to my weight
2: <laughs> this, is, this is a bit like the roy Keane versus roy Keane. make me laugh this was the first time i felt uncomfortable and laughed in this podcast yes indeed uncomfortable
1: and laughed yes john you haven't even been on the stands yet
0: brilliant brilliant and um, that's great um john listen what can i say thank you so much thank
2: you mary thank you for having me uh your great friend and uh i surprise surprised to be asked on your podcast and uh, i hope it's doing really well and uh all I can ask anybody enjoying our conversation is listen to Off the Ball Saturday and News Talk, and listen to our breakfast show.
0: And turn on Off the Ball, not notifications. Is that your, uh,
2: you know, for the latest and breaking news? Turn on push notifications <laughs> on your OTP push Sports notifications. app.
0: notifications. <laughs> That's it. John, continued success in Thank your you, tremendous Mario. career. Thank and, you so much. And also with your wonderful personal story about uh, about the the about personal power over yourself. God bless you. Thank you. And that's it from myself and John Duggan for this week. Thanks a million to John for coming in to chat. Thanks to you, as always, for uh, for listening. Um, make sure you follow John on Twitter, of course, as well. He's John Duggan. And, of course, listen to him and watch him on OTB. And don't forget to pres- press push notifications on your OTB app. Um, that's it. Thanks a million to Currys for their ongoing support. But mostly thanks to you for listening again. See you same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.